Hello, and welcome to The Scott Mize Show, a podcast focused on health, diet, bodybuilding, and philosophy. I interview experts, doctors, coaches, and N equals one case studies to answer your questions about improving health, achieving your best physique, and making sustainable progress. We'll cover topics from carnivore and ketogenic diets, to bodybuilding, to life philosophy, and everything in between. Enjoy the show. This episode is brought to you by LMNT Electrolytes. This month, we're switching it up with an exclusive offer that's only for VIP LMNT partners, including Carnivore Cast listeners. You can now receive this free sample pack along with any regular purchase when you use my custom link, which is provided in the show notes or my Instagram link in bio. That's drinklmnt.com forward slash carnivorecast, all one word. And as I said, I'll include the link in the show notes. LMNT electrolytes are convenient, evidence-based, and delicious. And get yours today to help support the show. Thank you. Serena Music at serena.carnivore is a carnivore content creator and mom of four who has healed her mind and body of inflammation, anxiety, and 35 years of binge eating, carb addiction, eating disorders, and disordered eating. She is also using carnivore to heal through post-COVID syndrome, and Serena is part of the Carnivore Revolution Mighty Network. Welcome to the show, Serena. Thank you so much for having me, Scott. Yeah, my pleasure. And um, that's a lot. So I want to hear you tell the story. Um, and, and I'm all years, so I'm excited to, okay. about you. Awesome. Um, so, uh, my story starts probably when I was 12. Um, but even before that, my mom's an alcoholic, my dad's a, a drug addict, my sister was anorexic and bulimic. So we just had all of these things going on in our house all the time. Um, and I bought my first diet pills when I was 12 and I've been on a diet every day since then until I started carnivore. Honestly, that's how I look at it every single day, even when I was pregnant, um, four times, it was very difficult for me to kind of let go. And when I did let go the, with my very first pregnancy, I gained 80 pounds and then had to lose it all afterwards. And um, I did better with the other pregnancies, but still it was like 60, 50, 40. So I gained a lot of weight with each pregnancy because that was when I had to kind of let go of some of my emotional eating issues. I was bulimic for about 20 years, even when I wasn't, uh, purging, I was binging a lot, but when I wasn't doing those things, I was the health nut in every group I was in. I was the one that was juicing or making our own, you know, homemade whole wheat bread, homemade whole wheat pizza crust. We would eat two loaves of bread in a day with butter and honey as it would come out of the oven. I mean, we were just, we were all about the homemade stuff. We didn't eat out very much. I was always very health conscious. When my kids were little, their first food was a mashed banana. They never had baby food. I would carry green beans in a can with no salt added in the car with a can opener. And I would open it at a stoplight and dump the water out and hand them the can in the back. You know, I was always very, very healthy with my kids. Um, well, what I thought was healthy. Um, and then, you know, over years of multiple uh, Weight Watcher stints and things like that, just to lose like that last 10 pounds, that last 15 pounds, which always seemed to plague me, I would lose it. And I would gain it back. And it wasn't necessarily because I went back to eating badly. It was just that those things are unsustainable. You can't do Weight Watchers and then keep it off unless you're going to eat like a rabbit all the time. And so actually when I started carnivore, I was kind of following the Weight Watchers plan. I had gained a little bit of weight during COVID. I was trying to get it off. And I was really trying when I wasn't doing Weight Watchers. It was because I was juice fasting. I would juice for 14 days at a time. I would um, drink, you know, one meal of juice at least every day and then have two really healthy meals of like 75% vegetables and very lean proteins, like, um, you know, some grilled chicken breasts and things like that. And I thought I was doing really well, but I was bloated. 
I was um, inflamed and I didn't know why. And the weight wasn't coming off. And so when I started carnivore, it was because I have this weird post-COVID issue where things taste and smell rotten. And so I had COVID in December of 2020. My taste and smell was very muted up until March. At that point, I woke up one day and I came downstairs and it smelled like there was a skunk in the house. And I was like, what is that horrible smell? My husband said nothing. I just made coffee. And I was like, what? I had never heard of this. I had never experienced it. I had no idea what was going on. But throughout the next few days, I realized there were multiple things that smelled that way to the point where it was like debilitating to me. We used to go roller skating every Wednesday for homeschool skates. And suddenly we couldn't really go because I would be halfway through the skating session. and I'd have to put my sweater over my mouth. I knew when they dropped fries because the smell from the oil, um, like I could just smell the garlic from the uh, pizza just smelled so horrible. So it's a lot of things that are still that way to me now. And then it was many more things, but things like peanut butter, chocolate, coffee, popcorn, garlic, onion, like things that I really love just were horrible. And so about two months into this, I was desperate. Two months into this smell and taste issue. I had tried every supplement I read about on the internet that was supposed to help with this. I had tried so many different things, even a five-day water fast, which it did fix it. But within 48 hours of eating, it went back to the way that it was. Um, I had tried so many different things. And the only thing that tasted good was sweet things. So for about two, two and a half months, I literally ate just sugar, lots of baked goods, lots of cupcakes, lots of my girls. Um, they are 14 and 16 now, but they have a gluten-free baking business and they make some of the best stuff I've ever had. So I was eating like their leftovers from the farmer's market, like all week long, just constant, a constant supply of garbage, you know, basically, but it was the only thing that tasted good to me. Like there were things, there were days where we would stop somewhere or I would pick them up food. And on the way home, it would make me so sick. I would spend the day in bed from just having in the smell, like stays in my nose. It's just this horrible, horrible thing. And so at that point I was feeling really desperate and my birthday weekend rolled around. I was turning 48 and I was like, they said, do you want me to make you some cupcakes? And I said, yes. And double the batch. Like that's where I was, you know, it was like, there's only six of us in the house, but I wanted a double batch. And over that weekend, I proceeded to eat uh, 20 cupcakes in 36 hours, 20 cupcakes in 36 hours. And wow. so that was like my rock bottom, like a drug addict or an alcoholic hits that rock bottom. That was it for me. And I woke up on Monday morning and my husband and I went running and I came home and I remember it very vividly. I was laying out in the sun, on our back porch, when we got home from running, it was, you know, it was May 23rd, I guess, cause it was the day after my birthday. And I was laying out there thinking, okay, well, if I can't eat fruits and vegetables, cause the smell makes me sick and I can't, and I'm not going to eat sugar carbohydrates anymore. What does that leave me? And I came to the conclusion, I also couldn't eat cheese or eggs. Uh, chicken was horrible. Beef roast was horrible. Like so many things just smelled and tasted rotten. So what I determined was I could eat a hamburger, but it had to be fresh off the grill. I couldn't refrigerate it and then reheat it. And I could eat a steak fresh off the grill, but it had to be a ribeye or a New York strip fresh off the grill. Couldn't reheat them. So that's a very, you know, I had to cook every day just for me. I got to go out and grill two burgers just for me every day, you know, but whatever I have to do, I have to sustain myself. And so that had me, that's where I started looking it up. Like, so what is this? If I'm only eating meat, is this a thing? And that's how I found many people that were on the carnivore diet and thriving. And I was like, what? This is a th like, I had no idea that was a thing. So I just uh, like threw myself into it for the next week, listening to podcast after podcast and video after video on people doing this. And that kind of kept my focus. Um, and I didn't really have any cravings, I think, because I was so desperate for healing. And I thought maybe this will heal me. And so it was worth it for me, whatever the cost, 
to try to do this. Um, and about six months in, my spell and my taste were a little bit better. I'm not sure how much carnivore has contributed. Um, I do think it did help though. I was very tired. My um, blood pressure was extremely low. Like I was donating plasma at the time and they wouldn't let me donate plasma. This was all like from leftover COVID stuff. And most of that stuff has gotten better, but I do still have these lingering smell and taste issues. And I think that about six months in, I was watching somebody talk about like the difference between an abstainer and a moderator. And I realized I'm better. I'm well. For the first time in my life, I'm well. It was like, it didn't like the time went by so fast and I was enjoying my food so much that it didn't occur to me that I wasn't craving. I wasn't binging. I wasn't starving myself. I wasn't dieting anymore. And I remember thinking, what? Like for the first time in like 35 years, I was well in my head, like more than anything that I wasn't doing any of those. I didn't have any of those unhealthy behaviors. You know, for the first time I was free from the shackles and the shackles and chains from that started when I was 12 with being on a diet. And there's a first time in my life that I'm, that I'm well. Um, and so I think we don't talk about the eating disorder aspect of carnivore enough and how that can help people. Um, but the abstainer and moderator thing was also huge for me when I realized that it's not just me, that this is a problem for a lot of people that have to abstain from these foods that just make them binge or make them unhealthy or give them insulin resistance or, you know, things that you can't stop eating. And that really helped me a lot knowing the difference between those two things. And now that I know I'm an abstainer, it's really easy to abstain from those things because those things aren't food to me anymore. And so that just doesn't even come up. I never, I mean, on occasion, I think, well, I'd love to take one bite of that, but I'm not going to take the bite because I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I would eat more if I took one bite or, you know, I just don't know what would happen. Um, and I'm not really worried about it because I can just go have a steak. I can go have a ribeye or a hamburger, you know, um, and I would much rather have that than the things that I was eating before anyway. So it all works out at the end. Yeah, that's incredible. Um, and did you find when you started carnivore that uh, you were still holding on to some of those um, or was it scary for you to start like eating meat in large quantities? Like, did, were you worried that you were going to overeat or did you find yourself trying to hold back or anything like that? Um, you know, I tried to follow people's advice, eat when hungry until full, you know, I tried to follow that. Um, but because I came from such a disordered eating background, I didn't really know what that meant. And the truth is it wasn't all, you know, bunnies and roses for me in the beginning. Um, in the first eight months I gained 18 pounds. Um, but I was, um, I was really resolved in what I was doing and I knew that my brain was better. So I just stuck with it. But the problem was that I was fasting too much and under eating, which is the under eating thing has been a problem with me over the years, many, many times on many different plans and diets. I mean, you name it, I've done it. Vegan, vegetarian, the cabbage soup diet, Weight Watchers, Jenny Craig, you name it, I've done it over the years. Anything to try to stay on track. Um, those things are like a nightmare compared to carnivore, but I've done all of those things. And um, it was it it wasn't really hard for me because like I said, I was resolved. And it's not that I didn't want any of those other things, but I just felt in my heart like I was doing the right thing. But the weight gain was tough. 18 pounds in eight months. I'm only five three. That's a lot. That's two sizes for me. And I was crying every day. 
um, because of that, because I just didn't feel like myself, um, tying my shoes was difficult. I mean, 18 pounds and plus I, I already had like 10 pounds to lose. So that was really hard on me. And once I realized like finally, and people kept saying, don't track, you don't need to track. And so that's why I wasn't, but in my head, I should have known two hamburger patties every other day was not enough food. Cause I was like doing rolling 48 hour fast. But then because I was not because I was under eating by so much, my stomach wasn't big enough to hold more than the two hamburgers. So I would eat these two hamburgers and think, goodness gracious, I'm stuffed. I'll just, you know, I'm not going to eat a second meal today. I'll just wait until my next fast is up. And then I would eat two hamburger patties. And it didn't occur to me that I was only eating like, you know, a thousand calories every other day. Like it didn't occur to me until afterwards. I was like, gosh, no wonder, no wonder I was gaining weight. I just, my body was in just total crisis mode. So I spent about four months, months kind of reverse dieting. So I just like, I raised my calories, raised my calories, raised my calories, you know, once a week I would raise them and keep it up there until it got to about 2000, 2200 calories where I stayed for about four months. And then I was able to kind of start losing weight. I was able to lower my calories here and there, but I still have to be careful. If I go for a really long period of time without tracking, by the time I track my food, I realize that I'm under eating again. Um, it's just, you know, habits are hard to break. And so I try to make sure that I'm eating enough. Um, and when I really sit down and think about it, I will, you know, like once every couple of weeks, I'll assess it and say, okay, well, I'm doing it again, you know, because if I get, if I don't eat my first meal until like one in the afternoon, by five, I'm not really hungry yet necessarily because I eat so much at that one meal that I'm not really, and I'm so full and satisfied all the time that I'm just not really hungry for that second meal. But that one meal is never enough for me. So, and I don't like to eat really late in the evening. So I try to get most of my meals in between like noon or one and like three or four. So I try to eat two big meals in kind of a small window. Um, but yeah, it wasn't really hard for me in the beginning, but the adjustment to the, the what kind of food is enough um, and how much food was enough for somebody, I think uh, was hard for me because of my background. And so I usually, I don't tell people to track what they're eating in the first like 30 days or even 60 days. But I feel like there comes a point where a lot of people, women especially, but it happens to men too, need to go ahead and track here and there because they find that they're under eating a lot because you're just, you're full and you're satisfied and you're nourished and you're healthy and your body just doesn't require as many meals. Um, so yeah, so I do think it's important every now and then to track, but, um, but it was hard in the beginning for me because I came from such an under eating background. Um, it's just so easy to feel, feel, feel full so quickly. And then, you know, realize that you're just not eating enough. Yeah. I think that's hard for a lot of people, like knowing how, how much to eat. That's not, I don't think unique to carnivore necessarily. Um, it's certainly more prevalent with people coming from disordered eating backgrounds, but even, uh, people without that, like don't know what normal portion sizes are or, you know, yeah. sometimes we have to relearn that um, on on any any diet. And so, yeah, I think carnivore is a really good way to do that because you can get really well in touch with your hunger signals. Um, yeah, absolutely. And do you think, you mentioned starting with like rolling two-day fast. Is that something you would recommend? Like what gave you the idea to start carnivore with that approach? Um, well, I was, I was in a group at the time um, that recommended a lot of fasting. And I think for somebody who comes from an eating disorder background, that is not a good idea. I really wish I had not done that. I don't know what would have happened if I'd have gone the other way. At this point, it's just part of my journey. Um, and it helped me figure out what I was doing wrong. 
But at the same time, I may have been farther ahead than I am now. I think it should, I don't think anybody that's new to carnivore should fast at all. That's just my opinion. I feel like somebody, especially a female with um, distorted eating or disordered eating, I think they should come in and eat three really good, satisfying, nourishing meals for the first 30 or 60 days so that um, your body can heal and you can get in touch with being hungry and being full. And eventually a lot of people end up just naturally fasting and only eating once or twice a day. But I think that takes time. And I think we push ourselves into that because we, we hear fasting is so healthy and it is, there are some really great things that come with fasting, but I don't think anybody should do that in the beginning ever. Yeah, I fully agree. Um, I, I think people who want to jump right in and start with fasting and cardio every day and CrossFit workouts and zero carb and track tracking their calories and trying to restrict. It's just like stress on top of stress on top of stress. It's way too much. Yeah. And talk about um, your work with Carnivore Revolution Mighty Network. How did that begin and, and what is that? So Carnivore Revolution is um, a company I started with a friend of mine that I met on Instagram, where most of my friends come from these days, um, Jessalyn Randall. And I did an interview together um, right around a year ago at this point. And we had so much fun and connected so well that almost immediately we started talking about doing something together, but we didn't know what. And um, within about 48 hours, we had come up with the name Carnival Revolution and we were starting a YouTube channel. So we did lots of cooking videos in the beginning and some interviews. Now we do lots of shorts um, and we do lots of videos where the two of us just talk about things like our top 10 reasons people fail, our top 10 book recommendations, um, little tips for getting started, tips for how to get back on track after you fall off the wagon, things like that. So we do lots of videos on our YouTube channel. And then we created a mighty network back in December. Um, we wanted to have a safe place for people that are carnivore to come to where it's not moderated by a place like Facebook or Instagram. Um, and you can come in, it's just a free community on the mighty network app. And you just find the Carnival Revolution one. Um, like I said, it's free. And then we do um, monthly coaching in there also, um, which there is a fee for that. It's separate, um, but you can always join the free part for free and stay in there. We have recipe ideas. We have a she shed um, for women to come and talk about things that you know they don't really want the men to see. And then we have a man cave where men can go talk about things with other men that women won't see, um, book recommendations and things like that. And then we also have those challenges that we do that are about 30-day challenges and people can join those. And we do two Zoom calls a month. There's five coaches from all over the world. So anytime somebody needs something, one of us is awake typically, and we can come in and help and talk to people and things like that. That's fantastic. And do you also work with people one-on-one -on -one, um, when they want to do that? Um, I do that. I don't do it as much as I used to just because the Mighty Network has us so busy, but that's the that or Instagram is probably the best place to find me. Um, but I'm always available to answer questions. I get messages multiple times a day from people who are thinking about getting started or people who need help or you know things like that. And I don't mind answering those questions and helping people at all. And what, um, obviously, like folks should definitely join that group. I think that's an awesome resource. I say always that, um, having a community is great. And the Facebook groups at this point have just gotten so large. <laughs> and like yeah, you said, they, they are, are moderated. Um, so I think that's such a fantastic idea doing it on Mighty Networks. Yeah. Uh, and the other thing is, um, it doesn't have, you don't have to be hundred percent carnivore to be in there. We have people that are keto, low carb, ancestral people. You know, we try not to be really like dogmatic about it. We want people to be able to come in and ask questions and find what works for them. The one thing that we ask that people do is give up, uh, all ultra processed foods, sugar, 
um, carbohydrates and seed oils and vegetable oils. Those are like the things that we ask people to give up because those are the things that are going to change your life. You don't have to be a carnivore to change your life, but definitely getting rid of all of those things makes you lower carb and can really help with healing. Yeah, that's great. Um, and what, obviously people should join that group, um, if they want to get in touch with you or want to ask more questions, but just for folks listening, like talking to people with disordered eating, what, what advice would you give them for how to start or how to think about, um, working through those issues or, or what they should, what they should be aware of? Um, you know, that's a tough one because I don't know what I would have said if somebody had given me the advice to give up carbohydrates, you know, and become a carnivore before I actually tried it myself. But I think the why is huge. Um, so you have to write down your why and you have to keep it somewhere where you can look at it when you go to binge. Um, that's a really big one is, do you want to feel like this forever? You know, I read something one day that talked about how eating disorders are the only jail where the lock is on the inside. And I just think that that is so true because we have the power, you know, part of the reason people end up with eating disorders is you think it's the only thing in your life you can control. And really what's happening is it's controlling you. And that's a really hard thing to get around and move past. Eating disorders are tough and they're secretive and it causes people to lie and cheat, steal in some cases, hide in the kitchen and eat cupcakes. And if you have ever polished off an entire bag of Doritos without even thinking about it, or if you have ever eaten six or seven or eight or 12 donuts all at once, you have a binge eating problem and you may not realize it and you may not classify it as that. And you may not think you have an eating disorder, but you do. And it's your fault, but it's not really your fault because the companies that make those foods know what the bliss point is. The bliss point is the exact right amount of sugar, fats, and salt that makes you coming back for more. Those foods are highly addictive and they keep you coming back. And so it's it's not entirely your fault that you're addicted, but it, you're the one that can fix it. You're the only one with the key to get you out of that prison. And so um, with that being said, I think that that was kind of the key for me was to realize that for the first time in my life, I was free from all of that. I don't I mean, we still go places. I still have memories. You know, it's been almost two years, but I think about places we went for years where the focus was the food and what I was going to do and how much I was going to eat. And, you know, those memories will be with me forever. And so I still am remembering those things. And then when we go to those same places now, it's a totally different experience for me. It's not about that for me anymore. I eat what I have or I fast because it's easy. I eat a big breakfast if I know we're going to be gone all day and we're going to be at, a theme park and everybody's going to be eating cinnamon bread or, you know, something that I can't have, not because I, not because I can't have it, but because I don't want to have it because that's not food to me anymore. So I bring, you know, my own homemade beef jerky or I bring some carnivore crisps or something with me and, um, just anything to stay on track. We'll run through McDonald's or something so I can get, you know, just some hamburger patties. There are so many ways you can make this work that make you not feel guilty and make you not feel bad. And so if you're feeling bad and you know that you're distracted by, this food issue all the time, um, then it's time to do something about it. And the the really the really hard part about having a food problem is that food is everywhere. You know, like if somebody's an alcoholic, you know, chances are you're not going to a theme park with a bunch of people that are going to get drunk, right? If you're, you know, a drug addict, 
you know, chances are, unless you're going to a party where there's going to be drugs, those drugs aren't going to be shoved in your face all day long, right? But with food, it is shoved in your face all day long. Everything we do as a society revolves around food. And so I think that makes it honestly one of the hardest addictions to get past. And the only way to really do it is to put yourself on a plan that's easy and sustainable and makes you feel good. And it alters the chemistry in your brain when you give up those carbohydrates and that sugar. I mean, it changes things. And so you'd be really surprised at how easy it is to stick with something like carnivore or extremely clean keto, like a really high fat, clean keto without any of the processed foods. Be really amazed at how easy it is to stick with something like that because you're full and you're nourished and your brain is better and your body feels better. And I mean, there have been times along this journey where I've weighed the same that I weighed in the past but my body composition is completely different and I wear a different size than I wore then. And it's not because I lift a ton of weights. I mean, I do lift some weights, but it's not that kind of body recomp. It's a, the body recomp that comes from feeding your body the bioavailable foods that it needs that your body isn't going to retain and struggle with. And so I think the most important thing is the why and figuring out how it's doable for you. So if you have to make the foods in advance to take them with you, you know, you figure all of that out, but you're going to feel so good that it's going to be totally worth it. Thank you. That was perfect. Um, I think that's really valuable advice. And a lot of people hopefully um, hear that and uh, resonate with it. And hopefully they'll uh, reach out to you and be able to get more advice and help and guidance from you as well. Thank you so much. Well, thank you, Serena. This has been fantastic. Great getting to know you a bit more and really appreciate you coming on. Um, I'll have links to the Mighty Networks and your Instagram in the show notes as well. Great. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the show. You can find The Scott My Show on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. Please leave a comment, like, review, or share the podcast with your friends or followers. It helps more people find the show.